We got to start giving Penn State's defensive line some more credit because they're extremely underrated right now. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. My name is Zach Seiko. Yes, the defensive line for Penn State is extremely underrated you guys aren't giving them enough credit i have heard that well they're not big enough uh they're they're just gonna get bullied by michigan and ohio state and, and frankly that's just not the case so this is the official defensive line preview going to talk defensive ends pass rushers and the interior defensive tackles and should penn state target uh defensive tackles in the portal in the second round as a lot of people have been saying they should. But let's start with the defensive ends. Uh, a very talented group, a lot of potential, and it starts with Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson coming back. But how about losing Nick Tarburton, somebody who was stout in run defense? No, he wasn't the most effective pass rusher, but he's really your only significant loss entering the draft. Uh, the defensive end was, was strong, a really good leader, and, and somebody that Penn State wanted to come back. However, you're you're not losing when if Adisa Isaac was going to move on, that would have been uh, tough to overcome because I think Adisa Isaac looked like a completely different player by the end of the season now that he's fully recovered from his injury. So this uh, this outside rush from Penn State uh, is going to be one of the better ones in the Big Ten this year, and, and that is because there is the dynamic duo in Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson. I mean, Chop Robinson and Disa Isaac, I think, are going to terrorize quarterbacks this upcoming season. Both these guys are future late day one, early day two prospects when it comes to the NFL draft. So that's saying something, uh, especially Chop Robinson. You look at Pro Football Focus, their college edition. Uh, Chop Robinson was getting a lot of nominations left and right. And the, so the stats don't lie. The numbers don't lie. And Adisa Isaac, he had those games where he really brought it. Uh, you could have factored him into maybe a defensive player of the game. If it wasn't for Jair Brown, I think Adisa Isaac falls in that category for the Rose Bowl, the way that he was putting pressure on for the Utah offensive line and, and Utah's quarterbacks. Uh, as both Cam Rising and the backup played in that game. But now that you have those two uh, at full strength, and you have some chemistry, and I think Chop Robinson is just going to continue to get better since he's gone back to his natural position. Maryland had him playing out of position. Now you just get him hand in the dirt, and he'll be able to take over. So Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson are going to be your starters. Uh, so who's behind them at defensive end? Deny Dennis Sutton is the X factor in this group and could really make or break this team, this group, with, with a breakout season. Former five star, six foot five, 250 pounds. And what's interesting about the nine Dennis Sutton above it all is that that was his size coming out of high school. He was division one ready all along. He put on a few more pounds, but uh, they kept him at that size. Had a solid first season for someone who was rotational, right? Named to the ESPN all freshman team, three sacks in 2022, had hurries, pressures, tackles for loss, uh, just a few here and there, nothing. Uh, just, but I think he has all the potential in the world. 
He's shown that he's an instinctive player. He's shown that he's someone that is very easily motivated, and he's got the athleticism to go along with it. He's smart. He's a very smart player. This isn't somebody that has to learn the system and that it's like, well, he's going to take some time to develop. No, 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 no. This is a player that I think will see a lot more playing time open up, even though Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac are going to be the starters. And it's just because it's the way that Penn State does things. The defensive lines rotate in groups. It's to keep legs fresh. It's to keep the chemistry and the guys that are best suited to be next to one another. So even though Deny Dennis Sutton's not necessarily going to be a starter, um, he's going to be a significant contributor and get a lot of reps. So I, I think this is a breakout season for him. I think he gets uh, much better. He, he didn't enroll early in the last cycle. So now he's got that extra time to go through the winter workouts with the team and just continue to improve. He wore number 33 for a reason. He is chasing the Courtney Brown record of 33 sacks. So he's going to try to set it at 34. He's got a little bit to go, but if he's here for three more seasons, he could do it. I think he's good enough to be here just for two. Uh, other guys to know about, of course, Zariah Fisher. And what's interesting about Zariah Fisher, he's coming back from that injury and not a lot of people, unless you were really close to him and he worked his tail off, worked his tail off and rehab to get back out there on the football field in the middle of the season, because this was a guy that was supposed to be out for the year and, and just hope for the best in 2023. No, he, he came back. He played a, a good amount of games in 2022 and he's doing well in winter workouts right now. So this is someone alongside Deny Dennis Sutton, maybe on that second rotation uh, of guys that could contribute. But I don't want to leave out Amin Vanover because when Zariah Fisher was out and also Smith Vilbert, who we'll get into just a second, who missed the entire season, this was someone who took advantage of the opportunity. So Penn State is not only has some stars, some star potential on this team, they got a lot of good veterans that will contribute in the pass rushing and just be it just be edge setters overall. So now here's Smith Vilbert. I, I'm glad he's all right. It, it seems like one of those cases where he might have been injured, uh, maybe some off the field issues, not not anything bad per se. Maybe he had something personal like a family. I don't know. I can't speak for that. James Franklin just said that, you know, we expect Smith Vilbert back uh, and he will be out for the season. So you don't know what that was, but you saw the potential three sacks in the 2022 Outback Bowl against Arkansas, and you just hope that that's not it, that there's more to him, uh, and he's going to be back with the team. So I, I thought that was a name when when things were going on. It was just really weird. Reporters would ask James Franklin about it. He didn't really have an answer for him. And I thought, you know, Smith Vilbert seems like a candidate to end up in the transfer portal. I just think they were working closely with him. Something was going on that was a little close to home, that was a little personal, and but this is all assumption. I, I don't I don't have any information. I am just glad that Smith Vilbert is going to be back with the team and, and that he can capitalize on that performance and, and maybe get back into a rotation of significant reps. But now there are guys in front of him that proved they can play. You know, that was his moment. Unfortunately, he couldn't take that and run with it. Now he's playing from behind and he's got some catch up to do with guys like Deny Dennis Sutton, who wasn't there for that Outback Bowl game. People like Amin Vanover and Zariah Fisher, who have really made strides, uh, you know, just allowing themselves to capitalize on opportunities. Then there's the freshmen. And I think these guys will be red shirted, but you never know. We can start with Jameel Lyons, who comes over. He's a four star. 
third best athlete in Pennsylvania, third best recruit out of the state of Pennsylvania in this class of 2023. Excited for him to see what he can do as an edge rusher. Then there's Joseph Mapoyi, who was a late flip from Northwestern, somebody that this defensive line group was not all that stacked. Penn State had a couple guys come and go, commit, and then decommit. But then uh, at the end of the cycle, Penn State was able to secure uh, Mapoyi to add on to that group. And then there's Tyreek Blanding, who's a three-star in his own right, and someone who's listed as a defensive lineman. Those other two gentlemen are listed as edge rushers. So uh, you have three young, talented players coming in. Hopefully they can uh, see the field in bits, but if they red shirt, you know, so be it. There's a lot of guys that can play on the outside uh, that you can allow these guys to develop if they need the extra time. Now, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about the defensive tackles, the interior of the defense. But first, a word from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe secure super easy to use then you can bet on everything pick your favorite nba bets it include core markets like spread money line total then player props points rebounds assists etc and so many other exclusive bets like the two by three for example two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at the bigger payout with the same game parlay so don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thanks for making Locked On your first watch every single day. Make sure you check out the brand new podcast that is Locked On College Basketball. March Madness is just around the corner. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts like Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for 870 YouTube subscribers. Coming up in the final segment, Eric Olson, Penn State men's hockey color commentator is going to join me to recap Minnesota and preview what's to come with Wisconsin. What's on the line for the Penn State Nittany Lions on the ice? Interior of the defense, the defensive tackles. This is the group that's a little more scrutinized. I think the defensive ends just kind of are lumped together because uh, everyone says, improve the defensive line. We got to get more uh, defensive linemen. Uh, But really, they're just talking about the defensive tackles. Starting with losing P.J. Mustafer, I think that's the most important part of understanding what this 2023 group can be because there is no addition by the subtraction. Losing P.J. Mustafer is a big deal. P.J. Mustafer might just be one of the smartest players going into the NFL draft, might be the smartest player going into the NFL draft. I, I don't think that's an understatement. I don't think that's a hot take by saying that. P.J. Mustafer understands the game of football understands alignments, understands where he needs to be, where his teammates need to be, and just knows how to call out just and communicate, uh, being aware of the situation. So you're losing that. You're losing a captain. You're losing a leader. You're losing somebody that wasn't necessarily all business. Of course, he was business-oriented, but this was someone you wanted to be around. This was a guy who had a great personality. He was fun. He was energetic. That energy was infectious and you really don't duplicate that. That That's very difficult to do. You saw that with KJ Hamler. You saw that with Marcus Allen. 
and, and I think PJ Mustafer falls in that exact same category of a player, a teammate that was just great to be around. You're losing size. Ah, this is okay. Defensive tackle. Yeah, we need the we need the bigger guys. Uh, he was 320 pounds. That that he was by far your biggest defensive tackle. You're losing him. He had three. He had 34 tackles in 2022. And I know what you're saying, Zach. Uh, PJ Mustafer didn't really do all that much. That's 34 tackles in 13 games. Mustafer set the line of scrimmage. Defensive tackles, aside from guys like Aaron Donald and Indama Kinsu when he was in his prime, form some NFLers for you. PJ Mustafer and a lot of defensive tackles like him. Their job is to eat up space. Their job is to reset the line of scrimmage. Their job is to force the first move for a running back, uh, the first lane. They are to take that away and allow plays to be made by the defensive ends and the linebackers. That's why the linebackers normally make more tackles because defensive tackles, when they do their job right, they block for the linebackers. He allowed others to make plays took on double teams, triple teams, you name it. They were someone, that was somebody the offensive line had to account for more often than not. And that is very hard to replace. So Hakeem Beeman, Kazai Izzard, Devon Elise, those are my, most likely going to be your starters or at least the assumed starters. I'm going to go with the guy who I think is the best in the defensive tackle room. And that's Zane Durant. I, I want to begin with him because he's the X factor. Burned his red shirt. This is someone who's been receiving high praise since enrolling early as a freshman just a year ago. When we were one year in this spot, I heard a lot about Zane Durant. Zane Dur Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen. That's a running back. Let's go check out the running back preview. But it was Zane Durant, Zane Durant, Zane Durant. And it's like, oh my goodness, this 18-year-old kid is coming in and making a first impression just like that. And it's, you know... I, he didn't start right away because they have a lot of veterans. They had Hakeem Beeman coming back from injury. They had PJ Mustafer coming back. So Zane Durant was able to, in a capacity, had the green light. He appeared in every single game and had that big impact, a sack, three tackles against Maryland. And, and I think that's his true potential. Someone that is, no, he's not the biggest around six foot one, 275 pounds, but uh, he is a guy that is extremely athletic and strong and can hold his own against bigger offensive linemen. So I, I'd like Zane Durant to honestly take over a starting spot. So uh, that leaves Hakeem Beeman, Kazai Izzard, Devana Lees to kind of battle it out. Uh, beginning with Hakeem Beeman, I've heard a lot of good things about his leadership. He's really developed into a leader. He showed flash flashes following that missed 2021 season. Quick feet. He's smart, kind of like PJ Mustafer, and someone that just has the awareness. Hakeem Beeman's not always a player that's going to get home. However, he knows when to get his hands up. He knows how to make plays, even though he's not around the quarterback uh, or in the backfield. He had four pass breakups for Penn State, and that led defensive linemen. So, I like Hakeem Beeman to start. I like Zane Durant to be a starter. And then that brings in Kaziah Izzard and Devon Elise. Uh, these are your bigger defenders uh, at the defensive line. They're closer to 300 pounds, currently listed at 295 each of them. Izzard is six foot three. Elise is six foot one. Uh, they're the run stuffers. I I'm waiting for them to have that breakout spot. They've been in the program a little bit longer, multiple years now, like Hakeem Beeman, uh, Zane Durant in his second season as a true sophomore. But these are the veterans. Uh, they're guys that understand the Big Ten. And when when they're on the field, they make a good impact. But I, I want to see more out of them. 
Uh, so they're kind of the guys that if they can kind of take that next step personally, individually, I think the defensive tackles will be just fine. Then there's Devon Townley Jr., who was in the transfer portal for a little bit, then decided, I'm going to come back to Penn State. Devon Townley Jr. is an interesting case. Former four-star out of Minnesota, almost transferred. He's six foot six. It's 270 pounds. Guess what he was coming out of high school? 220. He was 220 pounds coming out of high school. He put on 50 pounds of muscle since high school, since getting to Penn State. So, uh, and he's been asked about, not specifically asked about, but he's been brought up. Uh, Drew Shelton, when interviewed most recently, he's making leaps and bounds. He's making leaps and bounds. Shelton said, uh, he's, he's giving me fits in practice. He's creating some one-on-one matchups that, that are difficult for me. And he brought him up unprovoked. So Devon Townley, someone who almost jumps ship, comes back, and he's already making significant progress. Jordan Vanderberg is another guy that's going to be in that third spot in the third string. Redshirt sophomore, little fun fact. Uh, some people do know about this. He's from South Africa originally. Uh, and players say he can make an impact in someone who's just got brute strength. He is just a very strong player. It's just putting all the puzzle pieces together. But uh, when he's been in, made an impact in the Outback Bowl against Arkansas, even though that was a loss, we saw some flashes throughout the regular season late in games. So someone that has progressively gotten more time on the football field and has made the most of it. And, and I know what everyone's thinking, that Penn State lacks size at defensive tackle. They just need to get bigger. They need that 350-pound nose guard. And I say, why? Why do they need that? Penn State doesn't need that. Penn State needs athleticism because this is the kind of defense that Manny Diaz wants to run. It's not about getting the biggest bodies out there because you need athletic guys that can keep up with the blitzes, that can keep up with the shifts. And... I know what everyone is going to key on, and that's Michigan. Oh, well, you know, they got they were out physical by Michigan. They were out schemed by Michigan. So that's not I'm not here to defend the coaches either. That was a game where Manny Diaz and James Franklin, they were beat by Jim Harbaugh. Uh, guys were out of place and, and they weren't in they Michigan made a change, something that Penn State hadn't game planned for, and they took advantage of it. So it was a matter of guys being out of place and having to run uh to different spots that they weren't originally lined up and they had to take the long way to get to the ball carrier instead of being right in front of them in their specific gap. They were just out of gap. It, it had nothing to do with the fact that Michigan outmanned them or Michigan outmuscled them. Watch the Ohio state game. There was no outmuscling there. Penn state took that personally. And, and this is a group that they're not weak. They're not pushovers. They're very athletic. And they're very fast. You want defense. These defensive tackles are some of the fastest in the Big Ten. So I, I will take that with the system that they were that they are in. If they were running a 3-4, yeah, I would want mammoth type of players that are 350, 360 pounds, and they just eat space. Now, this is a 4-3 attacking defense, and you need defensive tackles that need to match that athleticism from the linebackers and their edge rusher counterparts. And as Locked On Nittany Lions final segment coming up, we talked to Eric Olson of Penn State Men's High. The color commentator to give us the inside scoop on what the Nittany Lions can expect with Wisconsin coming up in the Big Ten tournament looming. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Sako, your host, and I'm joined by special guest Eric Olson once again, Penn State men's hockey color commentator. Penn State is fresh off of that series sweep by Minnesota, and now 
They got the Wisconsin Badgers coming into town for the senior series before they get into the Big Ten tournament. So, Eric, we're talking all of that, what Penn State needs to do uh, to get that home series for the opening round of the Big Ten tournament. They're going to need some help. Uh, but also, let's start with the takeaways from that Penn State-Minnesota series, 7-2 uh, to two in Game 1, and then the 3-2 to two overtime heartbreaker. Uh, which which game for you personally kind of sticks with you more as far as the result, the seven to two beatdown or that heartbreaking loss? It's definitely game two. I mean, it, the, that first game, every season there's always one one maybe two games where it's it's a throwaway because just nothing goes right for whatever reason. Um, you know, you, you don't have it, and, and things can just come off the rails. It, Everybody has at least one of those games. And for Penn State, that was their game. I mean, they, they've had some moments uh, over the course of the season where things haven't gone well, but they've had a response as the, the game had gone on. You know, you can look at the Michigan State home game where they were down 3 nothing in the first period. They come back to tie it. They end up losing that game. You know, Michigan, they were down 3 nothing as well. Come back, tie it, end up losing that one in overtime. So there's been some games here and there, but – that that one against Minnesota, um, they just once they were down, they were kind of out of it. They just didn't have the pushback, and it's a testament to the way Minnesota played. I mean, they they finished on their opportunities, and when you're down three, four, nothing against a team that talented, you're just not not coming back unless it's just one of those crazy games. And Penn State didn't play badly. Uh, in that first period, they certainly had their chances. They could have had a few goals, and it's a, a very different game potentially. But what happened happened. They moved on from it, and in game two uh, against the Golden Gophers, I think we saw the team that Penn State is yeah. uh, compared to that first game, and they really played well. It, it felt like a playoff game, the way both teams were generating chances. I mean, the goalies were phenomenal. Uh, Soulier made excellent saves for Penn State. Justin Close made excellent saves for Minnesota. It's one of those games where you can say, well, hey, if Close doesn't make some of these saves, maybe Penn State wins by a bunch. And if Soulier doesn't make some of the saves he made, maybe Minnesota wins by a bunch. So it, in some regards, it was a toss-up. Penn State certainly had its chances. Uh, and, and Close made some excellent saves. He robbed Tyler Gratton on one. He robbed Ryan Kerwin uh, on a bomb of a shot uh, and they they found a way to get that late goal and go up 2-1 and uh minnesota's never out of it they've scored a, a number of extra attacker goals this this season and to, to have a lead with you know two minutes left and to not hold it, it it certainly hurts they get a point out of it by going to overtime it felt like they could have had all three points and it would have made more of a difference in the standings but I mean, Minnesota star players took over. And that top line of Cooley, Snuggerud, and Nyes is a beast to yeah. try to defend. We saw that all weekend long. They racked up point after point, and they made a big difference in overtime as well. So I, my biggest takeaways come from game two. We saw the type of team that Penn State is. Still some things to work on for sure, but um, – that first game is not reflective at all about what type of team they are right now. I think that was a case. I'm I'm glad you said it and put it that way, because I think it was definitely a case of Penn state was coming off of that by uh, slowly, but surely players are getting healthier. They're not 100. The team's not 100%. Uh, and Kerwin didn't play in game one, but 
uh, Penn State, I think, just happened to – it was the rest. There, I think I addressed it with you on, the, on our last time we talked, uh, the rest versus rust debate. And it came up here. Penn State was a little rusty, and, and they looked much better in Game 2. So uh, based on that Game 2 result, uh, where where are they in terms of tiers? Because Minnesota, uh, like they just kind of sat up in the gaming chair and, and really took over in that final five minutes to get that win, silenced the student section. It, it, it stung a little bit. Uh, so where would you put Penn State in terms of tiers? Because I feel like, is Minnesota all alone? Uh, are teams like St. Cloud, Quinnipiac also in that category? Is Penn State in that second tier, maybe that third tier as we approach the NCAA tournament? Well, I I can say, you know, I think the conversation for a one seed in Allentown is probably done. You know, they had they won that game Saturday, it really would have helped their pairwise. I mean, they, they probably could have been sitting in fourth right now, maybe fifth. Um, and, and they're still in the mix for a one seed. I, I think we're looking at a two seed as long as they, they take okay. care of business. Um, but Minnesota's, I think, without a doubt, the best team in the country right now. They are top to bottom deep offensively. Their defensemen rack up points. We talked about it last week. They're getting great goaltending and just in close. They're a dangerous team. They're, they're a team that is built to be in Tampa at the end of the year in the Frozen Four. Um, Quinnipiac, a very good team as well. I think one of the questions with them is how will they stack up against some of the other blue bloods? And this is what the tournament can show you. I mean, the Bobcats haven't played the toughest schedule in the nation. They have played some good teams, but you know, the, the ECAC is not the big 10. It is not the NCHC. Um, the Bobcats have lost some games that they probably could have won. Uh, and they've also demolished teams uh, along the way as well. And, you know, in the pairwise, you get rewarded for winning. As, so as long as you keep winning games, you're going to be up there. It doesn't matter, um, you know, who you're beating. Is you go 34-0, and well, you went 34-0, and so you're going to be the number one team in the country. And Quinnipiac is winning games, so they're a very talented team. They can make a difference uh, in the NCAA tournament as well. They're very good defensively. But Minnesota, I think, is by far the top team. They're the one everybody is looking at. Penn State, without a doubt, can play with any team in the country. I'm, I'm convinced of that when you look at the, the big picture. And I know it, it's easy to have some recency bias when it comes to this time of year. And you look at the recent games and say, hey, you know, the results aren't there. They're kind of slumping a bit. But you got to look at the big picture of the resume they put together. The big 10 is a gauntlet. It is such a hard conference to play in. The big 10 is probably going to have four teams in maybe five in the tournament. No other conference is going to have that type of representation. It is so hard to win in the big 10. Penn state has beaten everybody this year. So they've shown that they can do it. And I think you get into the tournament they know the Nittany Lions do how much of a problem they can be for other teams. And I think that's what people need to start thinking about. It's easy to be skewed a bit by looking at Big Ten results, but it's just, you know, two teams butting heads. That's playoff games every time they, they get together. Now you take the style that Penn State plays, that up-tempo. They're good defensively. They're getting great yeah. goaltending. They're a team that teams have to worry about defending. And you can say that about Minnesota and Michigan when it comes to playing Penn State. Hey, you got to worry about defending them. But And Giuliano Pagliaro, the assistant coach, said this after the game Saturday. 
you know, we're a type of team that teams have to worry about. And we want to be doing those type of things offensively. So I think when it comes tournament time, uh, there's no reason to worry right now. Penn State is a team that others are going to have to worry about when it comes to scoring. Penn State takes on Wisconsin to finish up the regular season. And with a series sweep, they could ultimately get into potentially that third spot. But I think the fourth seed is most likely, which would allow them a chance to host the opening round of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Wisconsin's a team that is locked into the seventh spot. They are last in the Big Ten. I I don't think Wisconsin is necessarily bad either. I I think they're better than people are giving them credit for. But they come into Pagula with this attitude of we've got nothing to lose and we can play spoiler. I think that in all college sports and in professional sports, that's dangerous for a team that has something to look forward to versus a team that's just like, hey, look, we can just kind of be a bull in a china shop. So for Wisconsin, Eric, what do they do well that because they're still not as good of a team in the Big Ten, but what do they do well that could give Penn State some problems over the course of Friday and Saturday? They have guys that can score. And, you know, the beginning of the season, and, and really you could expand that to the first half of the season, they just weren't getting the scoring. Guys like Sam Stang, uh, Matthew D. St. Fall, they can really shoot the puck. Jack Gorniak, um, defensively, they have some guys. Uh, Erdahl has six goals. Um, Vorlicki's a guy that can score as well. So uh, they've been able to find their scoring more in the second half of the season, and that's something you you have to be ready for. Like you said, they're a team that... They're locked into their positioning. They're just trying to play spoiler at this point. And they were able to beat Minnesota two weeks ago. They were able to yeah. beat Michigan State this past weekend by putting up six on the Spartans. And the Spartans have a lot to play for as well. So it's a team you have to be ready for this weekend. And the team knows the the challenge that's ahead of them. Penn State uh, knows what's ahead of them. And that you control your destiny for home ice. If you win both games you are guaranteed to host a first-round series. The seeding will be the seeding at the end of the day uh, in terms of who you're playing, but they are still in control of of playing in Pagula, and that's what's in front of them. That's some motivation, but the Badgers certainly can present some scoring challenges uh, with some of the talent they have. And, you know, the series in Madison was fairly close. It was a two-on win, night one for Penn State. Yeah. Night two, it's a one-nothing game. Going into the third period, Penn State scores three. They end up shutting out Wisconsin to get that Big Ten road sweep, which is something they hadn't done in a while. Um, so Wisconsin historically has provided some challenges for Penn State. They're always good games when these two get together, tend to be some high-scoring ones as well. Uh, it's going to be an entertaining weekend and, and certainly a, a lot for Penn State to play for to try to get into that top four. Last but not least here, uh, we were pretty close with the series split in Minnesota when we made our prediction, but 60 seconds uh, is all Minnesota needed in regulation to change that. And then overtime, uh, I'm feeling a serious sweep here. I do think Wisconsin will give fits, but I ultimately just think that Penn State's just a better team and home ice will definitely help. And it is senior night, both nights. Yeah, and I, I think a sweep is certainly possible and it's something they're going for because then you get all six points, you guarantee yep a first round game anything less than that and it opens up some questions but we do know that anything less than four points so if they only get three or less um they they will not be hosting because michigan state has the tiebreaker right now and they're sitting on 34 points penn state's on 31 so you have to get more than three to put yourself in that conversation and then whatever happens happens but it's a great opportunity to uh on the saturday to honor the seniors that have done a lot for this team and i know they'll be be hoping it's 
not the last game they play in Pagula, but it's certainly uh, all there available for them. Eric Olson, Penn State men's a color commentator, joining me here on Locked On Nittany Lions. And you can listen to him and Brian Tripp on play-by-play for this weekend's games. Puck drops at 7 on Friday and 5 on Saturday as the senior weekend for this Penn State men's hockey team. And they can listen to you on Go PSU Sports and the local radio stations in the area. Thank you, Eric, for your time as always and appreciate the insight around Penn State men's hockey. Yeah, of course, Zach. Thanks for having me. Uh, always glad to talk about Penn State hockey and fun time of year. Big weekend and then it's tournament time. And can't wait to talk to you again to preview that Big Ten tournament matchup. So I'm looking forward to that next conversation. And thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players, and coaches as Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Subscribe uh, and help us get to 900 before the NFL draft and hopefully 1,000 here before the Penn State football season. Really appreciate the support. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany and my personal Twitter at Zach underscore Seiko. More position previews to come. We still got the linebackers. We still got the secondary and special teams. Kickers are people too. We can't forget about them. It'll all be right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.